0: Right, right. Hilarious. All right, uh, the big news that we had was on Friday, the Colonial Pipeline was shut down. It's a 5,550-mile gasoline pipeline that uh, was cyber-attacked, and it runs from the Gulf Coast to New Jersey, and it is the largest conduit for gasoline in the country, and it was shut down by terrorists. A gentleman that's going to join us on the show next is Vinny D'Agostino. Vinny is a former FBI agent. Vinny, how are you, buddy? Hey, good morning, everybody. Uh, Vinny deals with these sort of things now, uh, in his non FBI life. He deals with cyber attacks and cybersecurity. And, uh, I, I'll tell you, I, I, we had, I think I explained this to you at one point, but we had an incident not too long ago in Oldsmar, which is right outside of, it's between, uh, Tampa and Clearwater, uh, where somebody tried to poison the water system by hacking into it. I, no one knows why Oldsmar, and no one, and thankfully the alarms that were set there. They caught it really early and they saw that there was an increase in a certain chemical in there that could have poisoned everybody and it was definitely done maliciously but uh i don't think that that was their ultimate goal nobody is going to just decide to poison Oldsmar. i think that was somebody who was like what do they call advin when when somebody charges a dollar on your debit card fishing is that what it is fishing to see if uh if they're able to use your card for a larger purchase right right yeah, most of these things are, uh, uh, crimes
1: of opportunity. Uh, so it is weird. This, this is something that's a common. There's, a, there's a psychology to the, to the, when you become a victim of these cyber attacks. And part of that psychology that we see play out on a daily basis is that, uh, 80% of the people that are our clients, are victims do believe that these attacks are personal. And I think that's just human nature to kind of look at yourself as saying, you know, there's no way that I would be this unlucky. <laughs> to be the person to have X F- happen to me, but sometimes a tree just falls off the top of a, a branch falls off the top of a tree and lands on your car, and there is no rhyme or reason to it. So, I don't know much about that matter um, that you're speaking of specifically, but it's very, very possible that it, it is just a crime of opportunity that somebody floating around um, scanning uh, the internet found something interesting that, that responded, and they and they looked at it, and that's how a lot of these things will occur. Is they'll just. Uh, scan the internet for networks uh, to see what the response is from the network. And based on the response, they can tell whether there's things on your network that are public facing that are not secured. And so it's just an invitation. If you want to draw the analogy of someone going down the street and just jiggling door handles until one of them right. is loose, you know, one of them pops open a little bit and that happens to be a water supply a treatment plant or uh, an oil dam or, or oil refinery or, or something like that. Um, And that's how a lot of these things start, believe it or not.
0: So now in the case of the Colonial Pipeline shutdown, how long do you think that they were in their system before they actually uh, let them know that they were there and, and, you know, took it over?
1: Yeah, normally for ransomware matters, and there's, there's, you know, dozens of different ransomware groups out there and they each have a little bit of their own flavor to how they do things. But uh, by and large, uh, most of the threat actors will be inside of a network for for you know days or even weeks prior to detonating the ransomware. The ransomware is just the final you know coup de gras of of uh, you know uh, what they want to do while they're in there because once you encrypt the network, of course at that point it becomes completely obvious you have a breach right there's no way there's no way around that so that's the last thing you're going to do until you 've done everything else and they 'll usually spend some time. Um, you know, weeks we we had one instance where they were inside the network for months, um, pulling off data. But that 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 goes part and parcel of every ransomware case that you're going to work now or that we work now. I saw some uh, report yesterday where whoever it was they were interviewing was talking about how novel it was that in the pipeline instance that there was uh, what we call double extortion, where they're exfiltrating data and encrypting the network and. Um, I'm not sure if that guy was in a coma the last couple of years, but that is extremely common. Uh, Every single ransomware case we work has a double extortion element to it because that's the way they they pressure you to pay. They will steal uh, copious amounts of data off of your network, terabytes of data. And so even if you're in a position to restore your network, let's say through backups, they're gonna release and publish your company's data, your client's data, personal identifiable information, healthcare data, they're going to publish that on the dark web for the world to see. So you're going to end up paying to prevent them from publishing that, even if you could, even if you were in a position to restore from backup. So um, I don't know the specifics, of course, of the pipeline case. Yes, that's not a matter that, that BluePoint, that my company BluePoint, is handling. Um, but I can certainly almost guarantee you they've been in there for at least a week's worth of time uh, prior to the encryption event, and they've exfiltrated info, uh, data, uh, whether that's half a terabyte or five terabytes. That's what they're investigating right now.
0: So, so they're asking for uh, money. They want—I uh, don't know how much it is that they're asking for. So now you you negotiate with them. Do you say? Uh, and I know you're not handling this specific case, but do you say? Uh, oh, look, we want a hundred million dollars, and we say, well, that's crazy. We can get you fifty million. Like, do they? Do they start negotiating, or do they are, yeah. they? are they not trying to fight it? They're not trying to figure out how to shut it down while they're while they're wasting time negotiating.
1: Yeah, this is why it's so important to hire the right company when this happens. Um, we talked a little bit about this the other day, and, and sometimes when a company gets hit, the knee-jerk reaction is to have you know Steve from IT jump in a, a tour chat with some uh, Ukrainian hacker and start <laughs> negotiations, and that's a really really bad idea because you know Steve from IT is emotionally uh, invested into you know what's happened to his network, and he's going to be upset, and there's going to be words exchanged, and that's not going to help. And so um, you know the, the, it's important to hire the right company to, to put together a strategy for you to say, all right, well you know you have to assess the damage first what how crippled are you as an organization are you 10 percent crippled 20 percent crippled 90 percent crippled that's all going to affect your timeline in terms of what your options are if you're 90 percent down like an instance of the pipeline and this is then your business interruption loss is potentially in the millions every day well let's say for argument's sake they were asking for fifty thousand dollars that's not a complicated calculation on what you should do right and, and you know all things being equal um, but, uh, but if, if, you're not completely crippled and you're functional, you may have more time to negotiate and you may not need to pay the demand. Um, it's not going to be $50 million in that instance. I mean, you know, look, it could be, uh, I think the, the largest one we dealt with is just, a, just above 20 million was the demand. Um, and that's based on, you know, based on what the company, uh, did and what their, what their, uh, worth was of course they're not they're not going to ask that for, from a high school they're going to ask that right. for companies that can afford it um but you start that negotiation process with that bad guy and it's like a it's, uh, it's a legitimate um i don't want to say legitimate it is it it is a business and so they're especially with with this group in particular with dark side in particular they're very uh, well organized they're very polished um they have a, a nice interface that when you go on the tour site to interact with them there's a chat window all the information is displayed on a dashboard. You have a timer that's there. Uh, they're very responsive. You get better customer service from half of these ransomware groups than you <laughs> would as compared to Amazon.
0: So that leads me to ask the question, is it, is it a bunch of, like when you say, uh ukrainian hackers like in my mind all these hackers i just picture a bunch of really white dudes in leather jackets smoking cigarettes and standing in a room that's gray and that's i picture. or is this some sort of corporation where everybody's sitting around wearing suits right now and like this is our business this is what we do now obviously we're not everybody's not going to know it but we're much we probably have a business front but really what we're doing is hacking into other people's systems and threatening them
1: no, it's definitely more of the former than the latter. It's, yeah. you're, it's not. It's not. You know, they don't have like a headquarters and a, and anything like that. It's a group of of uh, people that are connected who, in many cases, won't know each other in real life. Um, you don't need to, and that that provides that insulates them individually from uh, the risk, right? And reduces the risk by insulating them because they're all working from home. Yeah, post COVID, working from home. So each this this can be you know parsed out. You can have someone who says. Hey, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, uh, a pen tester. I'm going to go out and try to find ways into networks and then I'll sell that access to people who are going to do whatever they want with it. So, um, you know, you have a guy who says, give me $50,000 for this access into this pipeline. And I don't know, I don't want to know what you're going to do with it. And he sells that on the dark web to another group that ends up, you know, being dark side, for example. And dark side says, Hey, we have access into a pipeline. How do we, how are we going to commoditize this access? Well, let's go in and look. Oh, there's a ton of data here. Let's steal the data. Let's drop ransomware and we can make, you know, millions of dollars on this. Um, and so uh, each individual party doesn't necessarily need to know the other party. They just have a piece to that, um, just like the data itself that they're stealing. Right. If the company doesn't pay, they can then sell that data to another third party who then will go and sell them on the dark web. That could be used for identity theft, right. filing a false false W-2s and false um, uh, uh, unemployment benefits uh you know opening up a, cre- a line of credit you know so it's like you know, a chop shop it's just going to be parsed out and broken down into different pieces and, and people will make money on it
0: so here here's the scariest part so dark side gets on they shut this pipeline down the pipeline says okay here's your 20 million dollars you, you got us and they pay it and like we're a rich company and we're losing money every day and they give them the money well what's mm-hmm. to stop this from happening again in two weeks
1: Yeah, and that's one of the weird things as this whole thing evolved is that as this was happening when I was at the FBI, of course, when this first started coming about, the logical uh, way to think about it is, why would you pay these groups when, you know, is there really honor amongst thieves? You know, are they going to, you know, give you the decryption keys? Are they really not going to publish your data? Are they going to just come back a week from now? And what's interesting is that the bad guys – uh, you know, became smart enough, at least from a business perspective, to understand that if they do not honor um, what they're telling you, then their business model is destroyed. Because then word will get out that people are paying, not receiving the encryption keys, or they're getting encryption keys and then two weeks later getting hit again. And so, what's the point of it all? <laughs> um, instead. By and large, you know, 98% or more, uh, uh, and this was something else I read in the article about you know whoever this supposed expert was saying, well, you never really know if you're going to get what you pay for. Look, my experience at void and from colleagues I speak to at other companies are 98% of the time, you're getting your decryption keys, and they work. That 2% of the time usually goes sideways for things that have nothing to do with them not really honoring it. It's them. It's something that went wrong during negotiations that, that could have been prevented. Um, so, you're getting the decryption keys. They're not typically, uh, in a high percentage of the time, not 98%, but in a very high percentage of the time, we're unable to go out and find that they've published your data that they promised to destroy. Um, so, one of the, you know, we do have uh, dark web capabilities at Blue Point. So, part of the services we provide is to go look for that data both during and after the event to confirm that it hasn't actually been uh, brokered on the dark web. And it's very rare that we're able to come out and find the uh, 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 the data that they promised to destroy actually being being sold. That's not to say that they're honorable; they're just business savvy enough to know that that's just that they're not. That's a stupid thing to do um, because you're 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 being penny wise and pound foolish if you're going to start ripping people off like that. Um, With with that said, they the reason they don't come back in two weeks that particular group is for the same reason: is that it's it's not a good look for them. But we've had clients where They'll go through a ransomware incident with, say, a group called soto They'll get through that. They won't take recommendations that we're providing. They won't fix the problems we've identified through the course of our investigation. And a month later, they're back with uh, a riot attack or a dark side attack. They're hit by another group. So yeah. that, that doesn't mean another group's not going to exploit you. Just because you know one, one group uh, took advantage of you, they're not spreading the word to the other group saying, leave them alone. It doesn't work that way.
0: Uh, we're talking to Vinny D'Agostino he's the head of cyber forensics and the incident response at Blue Voyant you can find them at bluevoyant.com on the internet uh, and now the question we have is that the whole world during this pandemic and a lot of, a lot of it really is thanks to Barcelona sports we've all become uh brokers we've all been using online brokerage whether it be Robinhood or uh you know Co- Coinbase and we're all buying all this stuff and then we read stories on this show about a guy who's got a million dollars in Coinbase, but he can't remember his password and he can't get in, and blah blah blah. Uh, how how protected are those uh, sites? so we need to worry about that? Do I need to worry about losing all my uh, Coinbase money because somebody decides to go in there and hold them up for for ransom, or are they way ahead of everybody else?
1: Yeah, it's and this again has evolved over time. If you asked me this question back in you know 2013, uh, I would have told you the uh, you know the expression "not your keys, not your coin," which means one of the beautiful things about cryptocurrency is that, um, it is something that is untouchable to anyone else if you, if you self custody properly, if you hold it properly, it's, it's something that no one else can have access to. Uh, the bank, the government, uh, no one can, but at the same time, that means that responsibility is on you to, to protect that in a way and keeping your coin on an exchange. Um, I was, uh, when I was at the FBI, I was, uh, the case agent for, the, for uh, the Mount Gox investigation. Mount Gox was a, a huge exchange in the early days of cryptocurrency. It was the largest in the world at the time that had a, uh, a, let's call it a breach slash hack slash something strange happened where about $700 million of customer cryptocurrency just disappeared overnight. And at that time, that was, that was a huge amount. I mean, it's huge now, but at the time it was, you got to remember, this was like 2014 ish. Um, so this was, this was a, a lot of coin. Um, and so part of that is the idea that that was a tough lesson to learn for a lot of people, which is if you keep your Bitcoin on an exchange, you don't really own Bitcoin. You own uh, something on a spreadsheet in a database, let's say, that says you're, you're entitled to that amount of Bitcoin, but you can't, if that site shuts down tomorrow, you can't move your Bitcoin. Oh, so if you scary. own one Bitcoin on Coinbase and Coinbase shuts down tomorrow... You don't have the ability to just move your coin whereas if you buy a bitcoin on coinbase move it to a private wallet coinbase can burn to the ground tomorrow and you could still do whatever you want with your bitcoin because you actually own it you, you you self-custody that it's on the blockchain you have the private keys you can do whatever you want to it so things have changed a lot since then so i'm a little bit softer on that idea i'm a purist and i got involved in bitcoin very very early on so I am, a, I am a hold your keys type of person, yeah. but I do understand that most people I speak to can be a little bit uncomfortable with that because there is a risk of potentially losing your keys and, and what have you. So what I recommend to people is with the larger exchanges out there, that the Coinbase and the Gemini, they have so come so far along in terms of how your money's protected, how your, their, their, their environment's protected, how they're insured, which is probably the even more the bigger question, that I would trust keeping money on an exchange um, to whatever extent you're comfortable with, that might be a thousand dollars for someone, might be a lot, a million dollars for someone else, might be might be acceptable amount of risk. But at some point, you should be looking to move that coin off of the exchange and to self custody if you really want to uh, embrace the benefits of having Bitcoin, which is that the that it is a it is untouchable uh, money that you can keep, that you can go anywhere in the world with, that no one can, no one can mess with. Um, until you move that off the exchange, you're not really reaping the benefits of that, yeah. but if that doesn't matter to you, then
0: just keep it on the exchange. This is so much easier when we all took the blue pill and nobody knew anything about yeah, right? any of this stuff. <laughs> uh, this is Vinny uh, D- D'Agostino. He's the head of Cyber Forensics and Incident Response for BlueVoyant.com. He's a former uh, special agent with the FBI. This is a guy who definitely knows his stuff. He's yeah. He, I, I, I use LifeLock. Um, I got it a long time ago after just hearing an ad on the radio for it and uh my we didn't we didn't lose our identity but we had uh been hacked a couple of times as far as our, our credit cards and things along those lines and uh we were like we should we have to do something it was becoming every time we got gas somebody stole our, our pin number and so now uh obviously there's different ways to avoid that but do you do you recommend something like uh like lifelock for protection or is that just a, a kind of a band-aid for something that's never going to stop anything anyway
1: um, no, it's always good to have something like that. The alerting is is excellent. I think, you know, the basis for LifeLock and a lot of the other companies isn't so much in the proactive defense as it is that there is a, you know, again, insurance that you're covered for whatever, a million dollars up, for, up uh, of losses or, or uh, yeah. uh, you know, coverage in the event that someone steals your identity. So it's kind of a weird, it's almost like selling an insurance policy under the guise of it being this proactive uh, thing. You know, locking down your credit, which you don't need a service to do, um, you can go online and through TransUnion and, and the other services, lock your credit. And, that you know, it's something that if you're not in the market to buy a house or a car and there's no reason to have your credit open, um, that's, like, one of the most effective things you can do right now is just to do that so that people can't begin to open up uh, credit cards in your name and things like that. And you will get alerted when people attempt to run to your credit so you'll know. Immediately. Immediately. And like, yeah, like uh, yeah. I filled
0: out an application yeah. for something and put it in. The minute they ran it, I got the LifeLock alert. It was amazing. Yeah,
1: which that is the benefit is the awareness of that that it's being run and knowing that if someone else runs it before they go buy a Maserati, you're going to get an alert that says someone's you know at a dealership run, running your credit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so they're beneficial in that way. Will it really stop someone? You know, if if you're being targeted, no, not really. Um, it's the same thing. We talked about this the other day. The dark web searching that a lot of companies are providing now, where they'll take your, uh, you know, they'll look for your information on the dark web. It's totally useful. It's it's a good thing to do. But it's, um, you know, it, there are certain things there, that no one's going to have access to. Um, you know, private conversations, private chats, private negotiations. No one has access to that unless there's, you know, people that are uh, working in an undercover capacity in the dark web. And even then, that's they're going to be very limited in what they have access to. So there are things that are being sold on the dark web very publicly. But there are, there are things, many things that are being sold on the dark web very privately. And so no one's going to have insight into that. But it doesn't mean you shouldn't look. It just means you should be realistic about, you know, you don't want to run around with the billboard. I think that was the, the, the story behind the LifeLock guy, right? Didn't he?
0: he Put his social he security was, number up.
1: Yeah. yeah. On, a, on, a, on a truck or something. Yep. And, then, and then, like, you know, had, like, five uh, credit cards open that day or something. Like that.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That kind of backfired on him. Uh, <laughs> yeah, one one yeah. of the things you and I spoke about, which I think, uh, you know, people, it's its offered now on a lot of things that you sign up for, but one of, you, one of the things you say is the uh, most important is the two-factor authentication. So when you log into something, it, it, it'll alert you on your phone and give you a password so that you know that somebody else isn't trying to log into your account. I think I use that for everything. Yeah, absolutely. People always, I was just having this discussion with someone, uh, last
1: week about uh, uh you know hacks and how they happen and you know a lot of what people say are things that they see in movies you know um unfortunately uh in real life most of the hacks that we investigate these very 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 large breaches start with some of the most unsexy uh breach vectors they they start with you know a spearfish email uh it's not like you know sword, the movie swordfish where you have some some handsome guy behind a keyboard who's you know uh, hacking the Gibson, like in Hackers or anything like that, it's them sending a spearfish email uh, or a series of emails to a company, and somebody opening an attachment they shouldn't open, or dr- or giving up their credentials from an email a email spearfish attack that gets someone into their environment uh, that way. So something as simple as two factor, which is totally unsexy in 2021 in terms of the sophistication level, is still one of the best ways to prevent some of these massive breaches, and you can enable two factor. Uh, On everything, your Facebook account, Twitter, your Chase account, you know, Coinbase, Gemini, they all offer this solution. And it's so incredibly effective because it's very, very difficult to get around two-factor. And unless you're really being targeted, no one's going to waste their time to to spend a month trying to get your two-factor to access, you know, 600 bucks in coinbase they're just not going to bother
0: <laughs> right. It the next <laughs> right it is good to know though like if you you know somebody at work gets a hold of your password or something and let you know that somebody's trying to sign on uh yep. and, and you know it, if even with your facebook or anything else like that uh all right so now if for your company blue voyant are you going in after there's a problem or do you guys go into to companies and and set them up for protection beforehand or, or everything
1: yeah that that's the whole that was the whole impetus for the creation of blue Point, was we were at the fbi and, uh it was myself and three other agents and, and actually one of them was my boss's boss and uh and he was head of the cyber division in new york and we were going on all these breach response uh incidents at the fbi you know these massive corporations would get breached of course they'd immediately dial the fbi we would go to this boardroom and we'd be sitting there trying to collect things that we're gonna to need to do investigate. And they'd be asking us these questions about how do we prevent this from happening? How should we fix our network? How should we protect ourselves from this? And as an FBI agent, that's not really our job to provide IT guidance and support and security. It's really our job to investigate. Right. Um, and so we started to see that there was this real gap in the market for companies that needed this type of guidance to how to protect themselves um, that we really couldn't give, given our given our, our given role. So, four of us left the FBI um, in 2015 and started uh, what at the time was a very small cyber defense practice that's now grown into Bluepoint, um, which is uh, you know I don't know probably around 300 employees now, um, and it's a company based on defending corporations from these just these types of breach events through a whole host of cybersecurity solutions. So, managed security, uh, uh, managed uh, service security manages types of response, threat intelligence, um, third party risk assessments. So companies that are dealing with other companies, like how do you know how filthy those company, companies are? Yeah. You know how many breaches we investigate where you have a company that your company is in tip top shape, but you're dealing with a vendor that hasn't updated their cybersecurity uh, <laughs> uh, functionality since you know 1997. And you're dealing with them on a regular basis. And that's where the breach comes in. So my group within blue point deals strictly with breach response. So the team that I run, we're 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 only getting involved once you didn't do all the things that Blue Point probably you know provides and suggested and you now you've been you know breached and you have to respond. So we're dealing with you you never want to meet me and my team. That means that means something oh. went, went wrong for you, oh. uh, which I love because it's exciting to do the breach response stuff. is exciting, but, yeah, definitely not a good sign that you're doing things the right way if you're meeting me and my team.
0: Well, uh, look, I hope I never need you, but uh, if you do, the company is called Blue Voyant, V-O-Y-A-N-T, bluevoyant.com. This is Vinny D'Agostino, former FBI agent and now uh, working for the, uh, for the cyber forensics, uh, and this is something we definitely got to keep an eye on because these dark side guys, they're doing this, and they're going to have success with it, and they are already starting other attacks. And before you know it, uh, they've become the most deadly terrorist group. And you know, companies like you, and and certainly, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, I, I guess what the government is not involved in this one yet, right? So I'm, I'm sure the FBI is involved uh, with the with the colonial case. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind. Right, um, but the and- White House said that they haven't weighed in on it yet. They haven't made a made a haven't had any involvement in it yet. Yeah, I I hope, I mean,
1: I hope they're aggressively investigating. It's difficult. It's a difficult thing to investigate, especially when these actors are likely overseas in non-extradition countries. So really, it really puts the United States in a bad spot because um, we have limited capability to, 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 you know, we can investigate, we can indict, we can, it's called putting out a red notice where those people, you know, can be arrested if they ever came to the United States. But, and meanwhile, they're driving their Lambo in some small town in Ukraine, right. uh, you know, with no no reason to leave uh, at that point. So it, we're in a bad spot when it comes to ransomware. It's a well, come very. On. very
0: I've, I've seen nine Mission <laughs> Impossible movies. I know we can put a mask on and go put a dart in these guys next. Yeah. Somebody can do that.
1: I hope so. I hope so. There are some task force. You know, the FBI's um just actually uh, running a task force that uh, I think it was last month was put together. Um, to try to address this with all the other relevant agencies and private se- sector participation. I know Blue Point's participating in that as well. So there's a lot of people that really do appreciate, including the FBI, the severity of this. It's just more of a matter of, of, of everyone coming up with some type of solution to attack this threat because um, this is only, you know, we're only talking about this because, you know, we're sitting on gas, gas lines paying, you know, $4 a gallon right now. So everyone's yeah. like, what is going on? But this is happening every day. I mean, we've worked cases where hospitals, uh, right when COVID got hit, we had we worked a case with the university that was going 100% remote right at the beginning of COVID that was hit with ransomware. None of the students could, could work, none of the teachers could work, none of the students could learn. So this is a huge, huge, huge problem. Uh, and it's only gonna get worse um, you know, as, they're, as they continue to get paid. It's a billion-dollar industry for, for
0: these guys. Yeah, have I, I have to be honest. I'm, not, I'm thinking about this as you're talking. I'm like, I'd like to do this, like, once or twice. Like, just, you know, like, if I thought I'd get away with it, I would totally do it. I mean, that's a great – especially if you're in the Ukraine and you're like, yeah, yeah they caught us. Who cares? They can't yeah. come get us. They can't extradite us. They can't do anything. And the people in the government in the Ukraine doesn't care. Yeah. I mean, imagine
1: you were 18 years old, uh technically skilled, Someone came to you and said, "Hey, do you want to make fifty thousand dollars a week helping us uh, exploit networks and getting ransomware on their networks?" And you're yes. you're 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 an eighteen-year-old kid. Are you going to really have the, the the
0: the moral compass to be like,
1: "Nah, that's not yeah. for
0: me." Yeah. Also, they're not going to ask you. Hey, you want to? make They're going to be like, you want work here? Yes, yeah. you do. Your family wants you work here. Great yeah. benefits. Yeah, yeah. we'd not yeah. kill your parents yeah. if you work here. Yeah. Uh, well, look, that's this good. is something that's uh, definitely dangerous, and that we have to uh, look out, uh, watch, man. Uh, I have a question. Uh, do you have any insight into any new uh, investment opportunities and some coins coming up down the line, sir? He's not going to tell you. <laughs> I don't know. I just figure, you know, I've.
1: No, not not really. I mean, I'm I'm a bit of a purist. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm um, uh, pretty close to a Bitcoin maximalist, so I'm not really super interested in the other coins. Uh, you know, that's, that's that's not to say you can't make other you can't make money in the other coins. Obviously, right. it's happened with Doge this year, it's been kind of incredible. Ethereum's doing exceptionally well. Um, you know, but but I think if you're looking for uh 5 years down the road 10 years down the yes. road which sounds like to a lot of really young people probably really far away but for us older people we know it goes by in the blink of an eye i think bitcoin's where your money should be it's, it's got the it's got the greatest long-term potential that if i were to bet my life or my life's fortune on any coin it absolutely would be bitcoin um but that doesn't mean there might not be good opportunities to make money uh in with ethereum and doge and some of the other coins it just means that i just don't know 5 years from now if, right if they're going to be as, as viable as something like Bitcoin, which I think is honestly going to just gobble up, uh, you know, the entire world with, uh, with with the direction it's headed
0: in. Good. I'm going to start selling T-shirts, except only Bitcoin.
1: <laughs> you might as well. <laughs> uh,
0: Vinny D'Agostino, bluevoyant.com. I hope you never need them, but if you do, they're out there. Uh, appreciate it. And, uh, you know, I obviously if we find out that there's, you know, more attacks coming, we may want to check back in with you soon, but I appreciate you coming on with us today. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, guys. All right, man. Take it easy. There you take go. Good morning. See you, bud. Uh, good guy, man. He's, he, here's the best thing about him is, I mean, he was uh, one. Of, he was a senior special agent with the FBI and New York Cyber Branch. He was involved in a lot of the dark web, Silk Road stuff that you see the documentaries about. And he's a young guy, you know. And uh, he's he was. I talked to him once before. He started when he was a kid building computers. He would do, he wouldn't buy them. He would make his own computers, and he had a. He he just has that kind of brain. But he's also he's a funny guy and he speaks normal when you talk to him, like he doesn't speak at a level where it's not interesting and it's not uh you can't understand what he's talking about. And the truth is is that this is really scary because it's it's exactly what he says. Not so much it's always been available, but it is countries like Russia and Ukraine where their their government isn't gonna do anything about it. It's the reason why you can watch bootleg movies because they're all coming from China because the Chinese government doesn't have any They don't care about um, uh, rights to who owns who owns intellectual property or any of that stuff. They just let it all go. Whereas here, when you try to do it, at least the local companies get pressured into the cable companies and to stopping you from downloading that stuff and doing it. But in China, nobody cares. So, or not just China, but it's one of the major the major uh, countries that are stealing this stuff, and they're letting it just be disseminated throughout the rest of the world without trying to stop it, and it hurts the Hollywood industry, it hurts everybody. But, you know, it's good for us if you steal movies. Uh, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. So, uh, this, this uh, dark side um, You know they they have another case in Europe right now, which I think is on a much smaller scale. That's why you're not hearing about it, where they're they're doing ransomware on, on somewhere else. They have another company that they're trying to extort right now. So this is no small operation by any means, and you should just hope that you fly under the radar where they don't yeah. have a reason to come after you. Or if you do have one of those companies, you better hope that your cybersecurity is at a level of which you know your company is protected at all times, because yeah. they can get you in a really bad spot. He was also explaining to me one time about. Like the Ashley Madison breach, everybody was worried because they were like, "Oh, now wives are going to find out their husbands were on Ashley Madison." That wasn't that wasn't the big deal. It was that they weren't able to go in there and find their login credentials. So, if you have Spanish at thebornonline.com dot com and your password is, um, you know, uh, I love Mike one two three, yeah, definitely, uh, right uh, there, and they were able to get that information. Well, now they try those login credentials on other accounts, on your bank account, on your other thing, to see if the login that you stole from Ashley Madison opens up anything that's bigger to you, and that's how they get your information. So that's why when LifeLock tells me, hey, there's been a major breach with Nordstrom's credit card, and I'm making that up. I don't know that that actually happened. And I say, uh, oh, God, I have a Nordstrom credit card. Then I have to go chain Or I don't have a Nordstrom credit card, but I've been on their site before, and I'm like, oh, I should be fine. Well, now they have my login information, and if that's the same as a login on my uh, email somewhere, they're able to try and find my email. So you got to be real careful, and it's, it's a lazy man's problem because, you know, we all like to use the same password for everything because oh, it's just easy to remember and all that, but... Uh, once they get one, then they can open everything. But and if you... It, yes.
1: There's so many things that you log into. If you had a different password for every single thing, there's yeah. no way you'd be able to remember that. What
0: if you did this, Carmen? What if you made... And uh, now I'm going to say it so you can't do it, but what if you made your password... Uh, I love Mike One Two Three Like Spanish. Uh, and then for your bank you wrote bank. So your password is I love Mike One Two Three Bank. And then for school it's I love Mike One Two Three School. But I feel I like
1: that's Mike. easy to figure out well, for these I mean, hackers.
0: Yeah, I mean it's but for you or if it's not if it's if it's uh I love Mike One Two Three Bank and then uh a special number afterwards that that you'll always remember. You know what I mean? I don't know. I'm I'm just trying to think of ways I have some some of mine for the non important things, you know, logging into the newspaper stories and all that I use BS passwords so that I can remember them. But for my for my bank one, I if if I don't have it stored in my phone, like or if some of my phone resets, I have to go in my safe and open it up and look at what the password is because it's so goddamn long. I and can't then remember. you have to remember your combination. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's even more difficult. Which uh, has already happened one time before. Hey, by the way, before we go to break, I would like to let you know that I have the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductees. Okay, so let's I take have the ones that we tried to figure out which ones would get in do we have our list of what we said or do we just Uh, i have mine i don't know if anybody else wrote theirs down i I think i wrote mine down too all right we'll take a break when we come back we'll announce who they are and uh, don't look yeah we'll tell you who's getting in who's not
1: waiting on a tax return hopefully it ends up in your hands fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30 percent in 2023 if you're in a bind this tax season lifelock can help